Welcome back to the History of North America Extra. I'm Mark Vinette. The Dead Letter Chapter 12 Phil Gregory was a short, stout, facially hairy man in his fifties. Although his graying beard was well kept, he refused to trim a thick unibrow, thereby distracting many. When told of his guest's arrival by one of his staff, he decided not to invite them into his clustered office. He instead greeted them warmly in the reception area and proceeded to immediately lead them on an informal insider tour of the buildings and grounds, including the famous hedge maze. Gregory was the manager of the estate and curator of historic buildings, with an expertise in Tudor architecture. He freely volunteered standard descriptions and background information regarding Hampton Court Palace until Wade directed his attention specifically to Queen Elizabeth's connection with the site. As you surely know, Mr. Wade, all three of King Henry VIII's children went on to become rulers of England. His son, Edward, was actually born at Hampton Court Palace. He was a sickly boy who reigned as King Edward VI for only a few years dying of tuberculosis in 1553, aged only 15. Henry's eldest daughter, Mary Tudor, reigned for only five years. In 1554, she married her first cousin once removed, the future King Philip of Spain. A year later, it was thought that Mary was pregnant. She and her entourage gathered here at the palace to await the birth. However. No baby ever came, her swollen belly the most likely result of a psychological phantom pregnancy. Gregory turned to face Wade and took a wide stance with confidence, his bent elbows making him look larger than he actually was. Elizabeth, like her father, loved Hampton Court, despite having been held prisoner here shortly before her own accession. The only daughter of Henry VIII and his second wife, Anne Boleyn, the young princess's life was tragically thrown into chaos when her mother was beheaded. Elizabeth was declared illegitimate and banished from court, but reinstated after her half-brother Edward's birth. As queen, she often enjoyed relaxation from the cares of state at this palace. She was resting in our gardens after the traditional goose banquet on Michaelmas Day, 1588 when a messenger brought her news of the victory against the Spanish Armada. Many feel this moment was the high point of Elizabeth's extraordinary 45-year reign. Having wound the ancient passageways of the palace, the trio presently stood in front of the large 5-by-12-foot famous dynastic portrait, the family of Henry VIII. The tableau was an oil-on-canvas painting completed in about 1545 by an unknown artist and features the Lady Mary, Prince Edward, King Henry, and his third wife, Jane Seymour, and the Lady Elizabeth Tudor. Gregory pointed out that Elizabeth was wearing her mother's A necklace. What about her mother? Wade asked. Anne Boleyn? Gregory caressed his whiskers. Yes, her mother Anne. He sighed, looked to the ground, and smiled. Yes, Anne Boleyn visited Hampton Court on a number of occasions, 
Work was still underway on her apartments above the gate when she was put to death at the Tower of London. Julia jumped in. Do you have any gowns once worn by Tudor women? By Elizabeth? Gregory thought the question an odd one. Let me think, was his first reaction. We have several items of clothing and accessories, jewels and various personal items. He folded his hands behind his back. But we have no gowns as such. No, no gowns, I'm afraid. Disappointed, Julia let Wade continue. Mr. Gregory, I have a particular interest in the death of Queen Elizabeth. Not the manner of her death, but the rituals surrounding her funeral and burial. Can you help me in this regard? Not really, responded the museum director. They wound their way into the heart of the palace, the impressive Great Hall, the last medieval Great Hall built for the English monarchy. Julia eyed the exquisite tapestries hanging on the walls while Wade told Gregory all he had recently learned about the burial gown legend. I see, said the bearded gentleman. I was vaguely aware of this legend, but not as cognizant as you are about the tale. He left it at that, adding nothing. Sensing that the time with their guide was waning, Wade and Julia thanked him for the lovely visit and his precious time. Gregory walked them back to the gateway. Then, as he turned to leave, he called out. I think I do have one thing to add to your gown story, Mr. Wade. They both pivoted back towards the director. You mentioned Kate Arden. Yes, replied Wade. The name of the Queen's seamstress. What of it? Curious name, Arden. Very curious. Gregory placed his hands on his hips and spread his legs like a referee or job foreman. That name rings a bell. During Tudor times, anyway. Wasn't that the maiden name of our great poet's mother? His voice having gained confidence with each word. Bewildered, Wade shrugged his shoulders while Julia wrinkled her brow. Yes, yes, that's it. Arden, Gregory announced as his whole face brightened. That family name belonged to the mother of Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm Mark Vinette. And I hope you enjoyed the listen.
The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.